Welcome to Retire Simply, a show designed to take the fear out of retirement unknown and replace it with joy, freedom, and confidence. Your hosts are Scott and Angela Winstead, a husband and wife duo who share their industry knowledge in a fun and casual way to help steer you in the direction of your retirement goals and dreams. Having worked with hundreds of families in the area over the last decade, they've learned some common themes that are standing in the way of people having the retirement they imagine. Join them as they give you tips and tools to navigate the world of retirement, to make it uncomplicated and simple. This is Retire Simply. Well, hey there. Welcome to another episode of Retire Simply Podcast. I'm Scott Winstead. And Angela's here too. And we're so happy that you're joining us this week to continue our discussion around Social Security. And we took some time on the last episode to dive into Social Security, uh, set the stage, lay the foundation for, um, you know, how your uh, benefit grows, what kind of, uh, you know, penalties you get if you take it early, and really just start to understand the nuts and the bolts of how Social Security is calculated and it works. So what we want to do this week is share with you some of the most common additional benefits because we spent last week talking about individual benefits mostly. Um, so the additional benefits that uh, really come into play, especially for couples, where it takes you know a little bit of, of coordination and understanding and making sure you're working with someone that understands how all of your benefits function together. Yeah. And you know, I find that when we teach this class out, when we're all out and about and teaching this class, that a lot of times when we go over these additional uh, benefits that we're going to talk about today, some people are not even aware of them. Um, so these can really be life changing if some of them apply to you. Yeah, of course. And, uh, you know, this may be uh, just a review of, of stuff you already know, but we find a lot of times folks have some misconceptions or maybe some misunderstandings on uh, some of these benefits. And, you know, unfortunately, Social Security a lot of times will not reach out to you proactively and let you know that you're leaving money on the table. Exactly. So if we don't know the rules, if we don't know what's available to us, if we don't understand the strategies behind it, uh, you actually could be leaving money on the table. And we want to make sure that, hey, you put your money into this, you paid into it, that you get the most bang for your buck and get out uh, the most out of it. So we're going to start today with talking about spousal benefits, mm -hmm. right? Spousal benefits. So, um, you know, Angela and I obviously are married. So we're going to use, use us. us as an example. There you go. No, <laughs> no better example, right? Um, and we talked last time about being eligible for Social Security. You have to have 40 credits or essentially uh, have paid into the system for 10 years. Yes. Okay. And when you have that, your benefit is based on the best 35 year of your working average. Now, what we typically find is when couples come in and visit with us, usually there's a higher income earner. Mm -hmm. uh, very rarely does each spouse make close to or the exact same amount of money. Honey, for today's example, can we make you the higher earner? Well, I thought you'd never ask. Of course. <laughs> so I'll be the higher income earner for purposes of today. So let's say uh, that I'm the higher income earner. Angela, um, uh, let's just say, was maybe a stay-at-home mom. 
and she didn't have her 40 credits. So she wasn't eligible for an individual social security benefit. Yep, I would not qualify on my own. But because she's married to me, not only is she, is she extremely lucky and fortunate, <laughs> she also qualifies for a social security spousal benefit, which is half or 50% of my individual benefit at my full retirement age. And I'd like to jump in here and say that I'm eligible for what is e the equivalent to his half. And tell that's, why that's so important. So it's, it's half of my benefit plus my full benefit. So you, there's two benefits there. So if you are bringing in $2,000 a month, I would be eligible for $1,000 a month. And combined that we're bringing into the home from Social Security would be $3,000 a month. I don't actually take it from him. That's so right. Three. So we're each, you're, we're each getting our, our benefit, okay? Yep. Now, we talked last episode about when we take Social Security early, let's say at 62, to our full retirement age for the purposes of, of today, we're gonna to make that 66. So if I take my social security at 62, my individual benefit, we said last time, is a there's a 25% reduction in my benefit, mm -hmm. okay? Well, Angela's spousal benefit is not based off of necessarily my age, it's based off of her full retirement age. Mm -hmm. For instance, if she took her benefit, the spousal benefit, right? Yep. At age 62, the $1,000 a month that she gave you in the example that she would get if she waited till her full retirement age is reduced not by 25%, but is reduced by actually 30%. So instead of her receiving the $1,000 of spousal benefit, if she took it at 62, she would only be receiving $700 of benefit. Yep, very well said. And we talked about last time how like 73% of folks, almost three out of four, mm -hmm. are taking their Social Security at the earliest possible age, 62. Well, again, that's because they it looks like just a couple hundred dollars on that statement and they don't understand the percentages like the 25 or the 30. Exactly. And so if I take my individual benefit at 62, I have a 25% reduction. Then you take... Now, if I take it, my... Uh, spousal benefit and I take it at age 62, I get a 30% reduction. That's right. And when we start looking at 30% plus 25%, that's a 55% permanent reduction in your lifetime income forever. Yeah, you don't want to do that unless there's a strategic reason for doing that. And we talked a lot about last time why there might be some reasons for that. <laughs> So listen, if you're out there and you're listening to this and you have a question, now's your chance. You can scroll down under the episode and you'll see this week's offer. It's really a link to my calendar for a 15-minute introductory call. Click on schedule your call and it'll take you right to my calendar. I look forward to chatting with you soon. So when we start looking at and, and talking about spousal benefits, it's really important that you coordinate this with your spouse. Now, there's been some rule changes over the last few years with Social Security. There's... Um, now the way the spousal works is Angela, in our example here, could not start taking her spousal benefit off of my earning or my, my Social Security benefit until I actually claim mine. Yep. 
okay? So she can't start receiving her $1,000 until I would start collecting my $2,000 in our example. That's true. And one other thing I like to point out for couples, so let's say that Scott decides to take his early and he gets that 25% reduction. If I want to wait until my full retirement age to start drawing my spousal, I don't get a reduction. I can get the 100% or the $1,000 a month. So just because he takes his early and gets penalized doesn't mean I have to do that too. Great point. Again, it's based off of Angela's full retirement age and when she takes it, even if I took mine before my full retirement age. Great point. Now let's use a little bit of a, a, a scenario, a little change okay. where, where Angela, let's say you worked a little bit and you had your 40 credits, but your benefit was still less than mine. So we'll go back and say my benefit at full retirement age is $2,000 a month. And let's say that Angela's was $600 a month at her full retirement age. So we've got a little bit of a choice here, right? We know that if I wait, I'm going to get my $2,000, but Angela actually can get a choice. She can say, I'm going to collect my individual benefit, or what is she also eligible for because she's married to me? The spousal benefit. That's right. The spousal benefit, which would be half of mine at your full retirement age, which is? $1,000. That's right. $1,000. So. One of the big misconceptions we see a lot of people make is they say, well, yeah, okay, I've heard of this spousal thing and I know I'm eligible for half and I've got a little bit of my own. I didn't work a whole lot, but I got, I have some, so I can't wait to get my thousand dollars plus my $600. I'll, I'll get 1600 and you know, Scott will get 2000 and this is just going to be great. And unfortunately, that's not true. It doesn't work like that. You don't get to combine benefits. You get one or the other. So my options are, do I want to get the $600? Let's say I'm at full retirement age. Do I want to get the $600? That is my own individual benefit. Or do I want to get the $1,000? That is half of Scott's. That's a pretty easy decision for me. So she's, of course, going to take the $1,000 because it's more. So all Social Security does at that point is they say, what is the difference between Angela's individual benefit, in our example, $600, and her spousal benefit, $1,000? Well, $400 difference. So all Social Security is going to do at that point is increase her up to the $400 difference or get her up to the $1,000, but you don't get to combine those two benefits. So that's something that I, we wanted to make sure we clear up. Some people have that misconception. Now, Last week, we talked a little bit about how if we wait to take our individual benefit, it grows by that 8% per year up to age 70 or 32% overall. One thing to note about spousal benefits. And this is important. Very important. If Angela waits to take her spousal benefit past her full retirement age, let's say age 66, anywhere between 66 to age 70, spousal benefits do not grow. So my own individual benefit would grow 8% a year, but the spousal benefit does not grow. So there's not really a reason necessarily that we want to be waiting to take spousal benefits. That's a really important point. Very important. <laughs> what we hope you're starting to take away, at least from the, the 10 or so minutes that we've been sharing with you here uh, today, is that this can get kind of complicated. 
and it's something that you want to be able to coordinate. Now, let's move a little bit forward and talk about um, ex-spousal benefits or yeah. divorced benefits. Yeah. So, you know, unfortunately, we live in uh, maybe a, a higher uh, marital transition society, right? A fancy way of saying divorce. Yeah. And there actually is um, some benefit around being able to claim a spousal benefit off your ex-spouse. I know you're going to get into all the details about this. One of the things that I want to share is if you decide to claim benefits off of your ex-spouse, they never even know. That's an important point for some people. Yep, so they it, never even know. You don't have to get their buy off no. or sign off or anything like that. It doesn't put you back in touch with your ex-spouse. But if you were married for 10 years or longer and you're currently unmarried and you're the age of 62, you're eligible to collect a benefit, spousal benefit, off your ex-spouse, which would be half of their benefit at full retirement age. Their yeah, full the retirement age. Exactly the amounts the are the same. Yeah. So again, that's if you were married 10 years or longer, you're currently unmarried, and you're the age of 62. The other caveat to that is you have to be divorced at least two years, so you can't be you know, on the courthouse steps with a wet signature on your divorce decree, you have to wait two years. But if you meet those criteria, then you can collect a spousal benefit off your ex-spouse. Uh, sometimes we get people uh, when we share this information and they say, you know, um, that marriage thing, it took me a few times to figure it out. So I've got a couple of ex-spouses. So how does that work? This is real simple. So this is real simple you only get to collect off of one of them. So if you've got multiple ex-spouses, pick the one that did the best, who made the most money. Exactly, all right. Exactly. You know, do the doctor, the lawyer, maybe not, you know, the one that uh, didn't, didn't make, make quite as much. much. Okay. But you only get to collect off one, not three or four. All right. Now let's talk about survivor benefits. So now we're going to talk a little bit about um, one spouse passing Absolutely. away. So let's use our same example going back, Angela and I being married. My benefit's $2,000 a month. Angela's collecting her spousal benefit of $1,000 a month. We have $3,000 collectively coming into the household every month. When I pass away, Angela is eligible for 100% of a survivor benefit, which would essentially be all of mine. Yep, whatever he's collecting. Whatever I'm collecting. Now, remember, she's already getting a $1,000 spousal benefit, but my benefit's $2,000. So all Social Security is going to do is go in there and give her an extra $1,000 a month and true her up to receive all of my benefit. So another way that I like to look at that is um, when Scott passes away, I will get the $2,000 a month and I let my $1,000 a month go. Now, let's reverse that and let's say that I'm collecting my $2,000, Angela's collecting her $1,000, and she passes away. Oh, no. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but if that were to happen, I still go on collecting my $2,000 a month, but her $1,000 is now gone coming in every month. So regardless of who passes away when, there is an economic 
loss or an economic hit to your monthly income regardless of which spouse dies and who's collecting off whom. Mm -hmm. Do you think it might be important to plan for that time? Absolutely. Of course it would. You don't want to take, well, let me ask you, Angela, do yeah. you want to take a hit to your lifestyle when you're grieving over me when I've passed away? Absolutely not. Of course not, because I'm a tough enough guy to get over besides having to take an economic loss, right? <laughs> yes, you are. Of course. So you've got a plan to not only have your benefits work in harmony while you're alive, but then you also need to plan for how it works and where the money comes from regardless of who passes away when yeah it's not fun to think about but we just got to plan around it so that transition is as smooth as possible and again all of this goes in coordination with with your pension planning uh if you're a teacher your trs planning so there's a lot of of overview and analysis that needs to go in on this before we just start making decisions on Social Security. And and we mentioned in the previous episode that most people plan their vacations for a longer period of time than they do on how to coordinate their Social Security benefits. We hope to change that. So we want to change that for you. Now let's kind of wrap up these extra benefits with talking about your divorced survivor benefits. Okay? So if I was married for 10 years or longer, I'm currently unmarried or I got remarried after the age of 60 and I'm currently age 60. I can collect off a survivor benefit, which would be 100% off my deceased ex-spouse. Now, you may be saying to yourself, well, why is it 60 for a survivor benefit and not 62? And that's a great question. So the earliest you can collect a survivor benefit whether you're you were married to the person or it's your ex-spouse is age 60 not 62. so just keep that in the back of your mind so if you became widowed um at age 60 you actually don't need to wait two more years to collect a survivor benefit you can start that benefit two years earlier that's a lot of money that you could collect you so, might want to and there's strategies around of that, course but, but yes that's good general so again you can collect off your deceased ex-spouse if you were married for 10 years or longer you are either unmarried or got remarried after the age of 60 and you're at least age 60. Um, i always like to tell folks you can't be the reason your your ex-spouse is deceased but if you're not <laughs> if you're not <laughs> then you can collect off of them and it's a hundred percent of the individual benefit. So if your ex-spouse was collecting $2,000 a month and you were collecting a ex-spousal benefit of $1,000 a month and then they pass away, you actually, if you meet those criteria, would step up to the $2,000 a month. Some people have also asked because there's all different types of uh, families out there. Well, my ex is remarried. What does it mean for the other wife? And then I say, it doesn't matter at all. It doesn't matter at all. So she can collect or he can collect. You get to collect. So it doesn't matter how many other spouses are tied to that one ex. Okay. Mm -hmm. So again, making sure you understand spousal benefits, survivor benefits, divorce benefits, and how it all functions really, really matters because we're talking about guaranteed lifetime income. 
And it doesn't mean that you wouldn't take it at age 62. But as we said, what it means is you need to go through the process of analyzing your numbers, figuring out where the break-even you know, spots are to make the best decision for you and your family. And we can help you with that. We do that all the time. Of course. It sounds really hard and scary, but we do it all the time. And we're happy to do that. We can run a very simple Social Security uh, break-even report for you. Again, it sounds pretty technical, but it's not. What it will show you is what is the amount that I have to uh, make up or the age I need to live to if I take it at 62, full retirement age or 70? How do I coordinate my spousal benefits? What happens with survivor benefits? So on and so forth. So we're happy to do that. If you want to take us up on that, we'd love to help you with it. You could call the office. The number is 817-328-6152. That's 817-328-6152. So those are the additional benefits that we wanted to mention today. Now, what we're going to be talking about next time. Still Social Security. Still on Social Security. But how does all of this affect not only your overall income plan, but also your taxes and your income taxes throughout retirement? Because remember, the more income we show on our tax return, the more our Social Security benefits get taxed. The more income we show on our tax return, the higher Medicare premiums we pay. So not only do we need to coordinate this to try to get the most amount of money, but we also need to coordinate it in terms of tax thresholds and your income plan and making sure it all fits and plays nicely together. Yes, and I'm gonna say again, it sounds very complicated, but Scott and I have been doing this for a long time and we can explain it to you in very simple terms. Absolutely. So if you have questions, don't hesitate to give us a call. We look forward to uh, talking with you and sharing with you next week. In the meantime, have a wonderful week and we'll talk to you then. Take care. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. This has been another week of Retire Simply. Thanks for listening. Remember, anyone can save money and just as easily anyone can run out of money. But it takes skill and a plan to take what you've saved and not run out. If you want to listen to more episodes or learn more about Compass Retirement, go to RetireSimplyPodcast.com. That's RetireSimplyPodcast.com. Scroll to the bottom of the page to set up your 15-minute call to get your plan started right now. Tune in next week as we talk about Social Security, how it's taxed, and how that affects your overall income plan. Investment advisory services offered only by duly registered individuals through AE Wealth Management, LLC. AE Wealth Management and Compass Retirement, Inc. are not affiliated companies. Investing involves risk, including the potential loss of principal. Any references to protection, safety, or lifetime income generally refer to fixed insurance products, never securities or investments. Insurance guarantees are backed by the financial strength and claims paying abilities of the issuing carrier. This podcast is intended for informational purposes only. It is not intended to be used as the sole basis for financial decisions, nor should it be construed as advice designed to meet the particular needs of an individual's situation. Compass Retirement Inc. is not permitted to offer, and no statement made during this show shall constitute tax or legal advice. Our firm is not affiliated with or endorsed by the U.S. government or any governmental agency. The information and opinions contained herein provided by third parties have been obtained from sources believed to be reliable, but accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed by Compass Retirement, Inc. Hypothetical examples have been provided for illustrative purposes only.
It does not represent a real-life scenario and should not be construed as advice designed to meet the particular needs of an individual's situation.